This is Amy V with her brand new single, Forget Me, off the album Same Skin on Tell Craig Your Story podcast. Somewhere beyond the night, I sometimes sighed her. That whimsical featherweight child who struck a friendship with the dark. Then let it penetrate her heart. And I don't remember a time when the cogs weren't turning the differences now i'm obliged to look inside i see her workings magnified she says help me to
Hi guys, Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today we'll be speaking to singer-songwriter, recording artist, Amy V. Now, Amy is from Newcastle, Australia. Now, Amy is an Australian award-winning artist. In 2005, she was the Oz Music Artist of the Year. And in 2009, she was the ABC Music Award winner. She's also recently been involved with the musical Chess, and she's also played Eva Perro in Evita. She's also worked alongside John English and Tim Friedman of The Whitlams. She's also the, a member of the Board of Directors for Listen Up Music, and she also works in mental health. The track that we heard at the start of the podcast was Forget Me, uh, which is her latest single off her new album, Same Skin. But before we go, please go to our website. We are on Podbean. Tell Craig your story at podbean.com. We are on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Make sure you're subscribing to get all the latest updates. And we are also at VK for our Russian listeners and WeChat for our Chinese listeners at Tell Craig Your Story. And we also have a link tree there which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. All right, here we go. This is my chat with Amy V on Tell Craig Your Story podcast. Hi, Amy. How are you going today? Hello. I'm doing pretty well. Thanks. Yeah, that's good. Thank you very much for your time. I, I know you're a, a busy lady with family and all your musical escapades. And with all my guests at the moment is how are you doing in the pandemic? Are you staying safe? And, you know, how, how are you and your family sort of adapting to this sort of period? Yeah. It's been a big adjustment, as I'm sure it has been for everybody. I think, I feel like now we're starting to get a handle on it, but at the same time, it's kind of like you, you can't ever get too comfortable with it because things can change so rapidly. So um, I think we've just got used to having to be flexible um, yes. and that that's kind of the best that you can do at the moment. I, I know um, when everything kind of first hit, um, we actually moved house kind of right in the middle of all oh, of that. Really? So it was it was sort of a distraction in a way because I had that thing to focus on. But as soon as we kind of started to get settled, I just felt really um, just really paralyzed and sort of like I don't I don't know what to do with myself now. And and because there were other changes happening, obviously I, I have a daughter who's a, a school age. Um, she's in kindergarten, and so you know I was having to adjust to her learning from home. And yes, yeah. So there was a lot. There was a lot to kind of try and manage in that first little period and you know obviously the everybody losing all their gigs and I yes. had you know quite a lot of touring lined up for this year which obviously all completely fell apart so yeah just you know having to rethink rebalance um refocus uh and yeah you know it's it's been interesting to to see how how it's impacted us and and the people around us as well it's just interesting that we've got all this technology online that we've never sort of used or we've taken for granted and now all of a sudden it's like this thing has happened and all of a sudden we're doing 
you know, I've seen uh, bands do drive-in, drive-ins, you know, where they play, you know, or, you know, they're playing online. Is that something that you've done as well? Like, have you done the online sort of? Yeah, I've done a little bit. Not as much as some people have. Some people have really sort of dived into it. And I, I completely agree with you there. I think it's interesting that we had we had this technology available to us before, but we weren't yes. really using it optimally. Now people have kind of been forced into doing that. So it, it's been, I guess, positive in that way that we're, yeah. we are using it the way that we should be. But, yeah, I, I struggle a little bit with the live stream stuff mm. because it's so – it just feels really cold. Yes. And I'm, I'm used to that, you know, my, especially with my style of music. It's a very intimate style where I'm usually playing to kind of small but, you know, warm rooms of people. Yeah. Um, to, to not have that kind of immediate feedback is really strange. Yes. It, and, you know, it's nice that people kind of comment and <laughs> like things and stuff, and that's lovely, but um, it, it, it just feels really different. And yes. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to adjust to that. I know it's something that I just have to get used to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some people do it a lot better than I do. <laughs> and and, spe- and speaking of which, is it difficult to ha- have you done the online where you actually have got three or four guys or th- or people in different rooms or different areas of the world? Is it difficult to sync all that together? Um, I don't. I don't know that you can actually do that live. Um, most right. of the software that is available, it. I mean. And because of the nature of, you know, internet connections and things yes, like that and, yes. and delays, it's just impossible to kind of – I know I know. I sat down with a band once and tried to do some kind of Zoom rehearsal, which was a complete fail. Right. It, it, just, it just doesn't work. You know, even just trying to clap together in time would be impossible. So, yes. yeah, so it's interesting in that respect. I have have done live streams where there's like this – you know, the sound operator is in a different room, obviously, so that they can kind of monitor – how it sounds on the other side. Yeah, it's weird. I don't yes. know. <laughs> We're all, all experimenting and trying yeah. new things. Yeah, and not having that sort of the, the emotion and, you know, being, seeing people's faces oh. and, you know, getting that energy and vibe, you know. Yeah, well, that's what makes live music so amazing is that exactly. being in that moment in the room, you know, that you can't emulate that in any way. Yes. Yeah. Well, I hope. I'm I'm one. I'll put my hand up that I take it for granted for for live music now, and now I can't wait. I can't wait to get back and and play music and you know go and watch live music myself. I just can't wait. I'm just chomping at the bit now, and uh, you know I'm gonna try and do it more now. Don't yeah. don't you agree? Yeah, and I hope I hope more people feel like that. I hope more people realize what they've been missing. You know, it's and I, I'm the same. I. I can't wait to just go out there and immerse myself in live music again when that becomes a possibility. Um, I, I miss it so much from both sides. You know, I, I love being an audience member as well. Yes. Yeah. I've noticed uh, that you have rescheduled your dates that you're supposed to have for now. Is it, is, so are they going ahead or still it's, up in the air? <laughs> but they keep getting rescheduled over yes. and over again. Yeah, it's really frustrating. And, I, like, there's nothing you could do about it. It's not anybody's fault. It's just it is what it is. So I, I had a tour booked with a band that – it's actually a band that I used to tour with years ago with John English, right. um, the late, great John English. Um, and we're, so we've, got a, we've reworked a, a new show that we're doing – that we were, were going to do with him, obviously, uh, just before he passed. So we, it's been in the works for a number of years 
and we've been rehearsing quite actively and yeah it's sort of the whole thing fell apart I think we were supposed to start touring in June and then they started putting the dates back to like September October and now everything is next year now everything is moved to next year so and I mean who knows who knows whether that's gonna happen either but for now that's that's when they're booked in yeah yeah okay well let's have fingers crossed that it's all uh ready to go for next year and um it's all happening. So I have Newcastle listeners, but I also have international listeners as well. So I think we should sort of uh, talk a little bit about Amy V and, and her story. Everywhere that I look, it says that you're from Newcastle. Is were you yeah. born? Were you born in Newcastle? Yeah, so I was born in Newcastle. Right. Um, but when I was a kid, uh, my family moved to Tamworth. So I actually did most of my schooling up there. Um, my dad started a business and uh, my dad's in the music industry as well. So he was uh, an agent and a venue uh, consultant right. up that way. So, um, yeah, so I, I grew up there in, in northwest New South Wales and obviously, you know, Tamas a, a music city, predominantly country music. Yes. <laughs> uh, which I have a funny kind of love-hate relationship with. I, yes. I as a teen, I hated it, um, and I think because of, it, you know, it was such an interruption to life, you know, at that age when there was you know, we'd get these swarms of people coming to town for two weeks of the year, and I, I wasn't into the music and I didn't yeah. get it. But it's funny now, like, looking back, it has influenced me yes. in many ways, like the, the kind of storytelling aspects of country music, and, yeah, I, I admire that, and... The, just the, the rawness and the realness of it, that people are actually telling their stories. I, I really love that about it. And my my brother's in a country band now. Yes, doing, I was going to really ask well, that. So. Yes. Yeah, and so, you know, it's it's funny. And I still go back there during the festival and, and usually, you know, play some shows, do some songwriting, kind of showcase things. And um, I'm a bit of a black sheep. Like, I don't really, <laughs> I don't really fit squarely into the uh, country genre, but um, they're very accepting <laughs> yes. of me, well, so I'm lucky. Well, the thing is that I, that I like about the the music festival, and I'm the same. I'm not really a a country music fan. I respect the music, and good music is good music, in my opinion. So there's a lot of great talent. Uh, they go up there every single year, you know, representing. Uh, and look what Keith, Keith Urban's doing overseas. I mean, he's just taken it to another level. I think people shouldn't, uh, unless they've been up there and gone to the country festival, I got a whole appreciation, different appreciation of it because it's not just country music. It's all styles of music, just going up there, just going up on sitting on the, you walk down the, the main street and there's people with open uh, guitar cases, you know, or rappers, all different styles of music. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't think that, you know, obviously country music is the main sort of thing up there, but didn't realize that it was all different styles as well, like going up there and just, and just to, just, uh, sleep in a tent and camp yeah. out there for a couple of days on a farm. The whole experience is just so cool. So look what it's done for some of the people up there. I mean, the people that win the, the, the golden, glo- uh, the gold, what is it? The guitar, golden, golden guitar. guitar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, have you actually played up the, like, like played at the, at the festival? Yeah. Yeah. I, I try and play there every year if I can. 
Um, like I said, there's kind of I tend to jump on the sort of uh, songwriting gigs. That there's right. a lot of kind of in the round style things that happen up there that um, I have some friends who kind of put those on. So um, if they let me, I'll, I'll get up and, and play a few songs. Yeah, I, I enjoy just being part of it. It's actually it, it kind of makes you feel like you're part of a community as well as yes. a musician. It's um, having those opportunities just to kind of hang out with other like-minded people is actually really special because it doesn't happen a lot. We're all doing our own things. We're all, we've all got gigs on at the same time. And so it can be hard to kind of have that sense of community because um, we, you know, we, we tend to work in isolation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that stuff is important. Yeah. And you said that your dad was involved in music as well. Um, yeah. So was that the re- that was that one of the reasons why when you were young, as you got you got into it, like you know, first playing guitar was it his influence? Yeah, pretty much. He so he was playing in bands before I was born, um, and I just grew up with there always being music around. You know, he he was always off on weekends doing gigs. Um, there was always instruments around the house. Yeah. Uh, my my parents put me into. Um, because I, I took an interest in music from a young age and they put me into piano lessons when it was like five or six. I actually, I studied classical piano and I was very shy and I never liked performing in front of people. So my dad kind of pushed me into, when I was in my early teens, sort of said, oh, maybe you should think about joining a band. And and I was like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> so, you know, because I had a keyboard then. He's like, you play keys and, you know, do a bit of singing and stuff. So, yeah, he kind of... He definitely gently kind of pushed me into that stuff and I wasn't keen at first but I'm really grateful for that now because obviously it's something I became very passionate about. Yes. Um, I, st- I still, like I wouldn't say I'm an overly confident performer but uh, um, yeah, I've come a long way since then obviously. And, and, and speaking of that, how did you sort of overcome mm-hmm. being nervous and uh, in front of people? How did you overcome that? Was it just over time or did you you know was it your dad's influence again that, that did that or i think it was just just doing it, it yeah. it's just the, the constant kind of practice and yeah I, I think you just it just becomes a, a more natural thing for you to do after a while um and it's funny like now i don't yeah i wouldn't say i get nerves so much especially doing my own stuff because that it feels very natural, very organic and part of me um, yes. to be sharing that stuff. But, yeah, I, I, I think the best way to overcome the nerves or the anxiety is just to just keep doing it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the one thing that I used to have was making sure that all my equipment was right, you know, that I had my guitar tuned properly, that I had another guitar ready to go if I broke a string or, you know, all the electrical sort of side of it. So, you know, I was more... I got more worried before the gig, but when yeah. I got to, when I when I get to see the band and the guys and and, and it's like okay, this is cool now. Okay, I'm yeah, ready. absolutely. I hear you. I'm, yeah, that I'm a bit the same. Well. I kind of get anxious before the gig, mm. but as soon as you step onto stage, it's like oh okay. Yeah. This is. I know this. I'm home now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And tell me, like, uh, guitar is a big part of your sort of music uh, ever since you've started. How was that process of learning guitar? Did you have someone teach you? Because it's not an easy thing to do. Like, I think um, having the like the kind of theory background already made it easier to apply to a new instrument. I was always interested in guitar because I, I felt really stuck playing keys on stage. You can't kind of move around much, and it's a big instrument to kind of carry and. 
I just liked the freedom of, of a guitar. But also, you know, I, I kind of started teaching myself a little bit and I loved being able to make mistakes and just kind of find new sounds and new yes. voicings and things by just, just you know, by accident. Yeah, I sort of started teaching myself. And my dad, you know, showed me a few things because he plays really well. And, and then I was in a band when I first kind of moved back to Newcastle. I, I came back to, to study, to go to uni. And right. I was playing in a band back then. And the guitarist was, um, he had like a jazz background. He was an amazing guitarist. And so he kind of showed me a few really cool chords right. that, I, that weren't in my repertoire, you know, that were kind of more jazz chords. And, <laughs> and I loved that. I was, you know, I was obsessed with that. So that kind of took that kind of carried me a bit further and he'd show me some technique stuff as well and the scales and things. Yeah. And I just kind of went from there, but I still, I still don't really think, even though I've played guitar for a long time, I don't think of myself as a guitarist. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's my, it's my main instrument. It's what I write yes. on and everything. But yeah, it's, I still, there's still things that I find new about it and I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the one thing that I wanted to ask. And I know it's a, um, everybody has a different way of of designing or creating a, a song. So, like with you, is it like a melody, or is it the the guitar riff first, or how 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 do you sort of set that up? Like, and has that changed over time? Like, um, yeah. with, with your sort of creating music. Yeah, it varies for me sometimes. I'd probably say more often than not the melody kind of comes first, although I don't know. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Sometimes it all kind of happens together in a weird mess and then you just kind of organise it. But, um, yeah, I, and sometimes it's lyrically driven. You know, yes. it, it might be just there's something I really want to say and so some words kind of come out and I'll structure a few things around that. But I, I like to try and make the music and the words and the melody all kind of happen at the same time, then they seem to gel the best. I know I've had some experience lately because I've been doing a lot of writing in the last few months. Yes. Where, yes. where because, <laughs> you know, time. Yeah. Um, where I'll actually kind of construct almost a whole song with no lyrics and then I find myself stuck because I've got this melody that I somehow have to try and wedge these words into, you know, um, so it kind of works against you in that way. So yeah, I try and make them happen around the same time-ish if I can, but yes. you know, it, it changes. Yeah. So you were in Tamworth playing music. So was it like playing just in Tamworth, or was it like going out to sort of Lismore and Ballina, those sort of areas? Well, I I mean I started gigging when I was really young um, and just playing in like covers bands and stuff. And there, right. the little the little band that I was playing with they were all around the same age, like early teens yes we we wrote a few songs and we recorded them and and that's what what got me really interested in songwriting but then I actually moved I moved back to Newcastle when I was 18 I think um okay to go to go to uni and um you know same thing I, I started I was just singing in some bands and and started doing a bit of writing and I I um there was a couple of these like songwriter showcase nights that were happening almost like an open mic style thing um, there was a guy from Sydney who used to come up and run them, and I used to go and watch. And I, I was always mesmerised by these, you know, people who got up and sang their own songs. And so I was like, I really want to try this, but I'm super nervous about it. And so he kind of gave me a couple of spots, and and then I, you know, I got up and played, and the response was really positive, and he was really um, amazing and really supportive, and 
I started doing some more of those in Sydney and it just kind of like grew from there. So yeah, I, I definitely always had this interest in writing and performing my own songs. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what got me started, I guess. Yeah, right. Uh, going through uh, your Facebook, I saw a common favourite musician and favourite band. That was actually one of my first cassettes. I saw a picture of you and Susie DeMarchi oh. uh, of the Baby Animals. Yeah. Um, so this is going all way back. Huge influence on you. Uh, yeah, I, I think I discovered Baby Animals when I was about 14, I think, 13 or 14. Um, it was a drummer from another band that actually gave me a cassette. I think it was a bootleg. Yeah, um, right. And he's like, oh, you should listen to this band. The, the, the chicken in it is really cool. You really dig her. And I did. I totally – she's, I mean, she's a goddess. <laughs> she's amazing. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, sat, I played that cassette to death and yeah. sang along with it every opportunity that I could. And I did, yeah, I did get to meet them around that age. I think I was about 14 or 15 when I met them and saw them play. Um, yeah, it's funny though, like, you know, obviously I'm very, they were very kind of rock band, yeah. but my, my influences have been quite diverse. Like I, I obviously steer towards the kind of singer-songwriter types, mm. but I think like throughout my teens and early 20s, I was really influenced by People like Jeff Buckley. Uh, I loved Annie DeFranco because she kind of had this fierce independence and, and kind of her story was always she did it her way um, and I loved that about her. So, yeah, I always kind of leaned towards that sort of stuff and then a lot of that was very kind of acoustic and kind of mellow styles. So I, I tended to go in that direction. But in saying that, you know, I loved rock bands. I loved... I was into like Nine Inch Nails and um, I loved like Tool and, and you know yeah. stuff like that. I loved the I loved a lot of the grunge stuff as well, you know Soundgarden and all that stuff. I was a massive Chris Cornell fan, that so is, yeah, it's funny. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, and so and I and I still love classical music as well, you know, because I I grew up on that and I studied it at school and I, I'm a big fan of like the Romantic composers and. So I still I still listen to a lot of classical music. So I try to I try to keep my influences really broad, and I think that that helps me to define my sound, because I then have to find my own way of bringing that all together into something, you know. Yes. And, and it's interesting. I think for music, it's also like a mood thing. Like sometimes you won't have heard a CD for, you know, six months, and it's like, you know what? I want to, you know, get that CD out, you know. You yeah. just sometimes it's just a feel and and being in the mood. So, yeah, right. I totally I totally understand. And like we said before, good good music is good music. Doesn't matter what sort of style it is. You just got to, you know, if it makes you feel good or if it's a uh, some sort of a memory, you know, that you had with that song. Yeah. Go with it. It doesn't even it. have to be feel good. It just if it just makes you feel something, you know. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So you come to Newcastle for the first time, was it for study? Yeah, come so I, I came back to do, it's funny, I, I really wanted to study law, but um, I had the marks to kind of do it at the university up near where I was living, but I didn't want to live up there. I wanted to come to back to Newcastle. So my marks weren't good enough, and so I thought I'm just going to do an arts degree for a year and see how that goes. And, and then um, I took... Um, so I was studying like 
drama and because I love I love drama, I do, do some acting as well as the music stuff. And, um, but I started studying psychology and I, I really was interested in that. So I then changed my degree and ended up doing a Bachelor of Psych, um, yes. which kind of led me into a whole other career path. So I, yes. I've worked in I worked in mental health for over 13 years. Yeah. Um, and I have actually become really passionate about the ways that mental health and music intersect. So, yes. um, and I think like you hear a lot of stuff these days about um, like music therapy and how music can help people with their mental health. But um, the thing that I'm super interested in is how do we support the mental health of the people making the music? Yes. Um, because, you know, we know that they're, and I'm sure you know this anecdotally as well, that we're a high risk population. You know, we mm-hmm. have a whole range of unique um, needs and challenges that aren't necessarily met by kind of mainstream interventions and methods. So I, I, that's kind of where I'm finding myself at the moment is finding ways to support um, people in my industry with their with their well-being. Yeah. And especially... Uh, lately, I mean, I've only just come back to Newcastle uh, after uh, before the pandemic. While I was away, it was the the bushfires, uh, it was the pandemic. Um, so for people uh, in Australia, and we talked about it before with the musicians uh, not being able to work. So uh, have you been, you know, really busy with work uh, at at the moment? Yeah. So I actually. Um the job that I was in, um, where I got to work on a range of different sort of mental health programs, I actually left in February, um, thinking that I was going to be focusing all my energy on my music. Music, right. Amazing timing. I still, so I still do some volunteer work. I'm actually a volunteer board member for an organization called Listen Up Music, which is a uh, music and mental health charity. Now, now can uh, can we talk a bit about, about that? Because you're, you're like a member of the board, right? Yeah. 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 So basically the thing with Listen Up is they, the thing that they're really great at their strength, I would say, is that they, they build community. So um, they're all about bringing together people who are working in music or people who are looking to work in music and just kind of like getting them to support each other and to tell their stories because, you know, we all know this, we've all had friends in the music industry who have, been through tough times if we haven't ourselves and everybody has a story so it kind of started out that way it was like creating this kind of safe environment for people to do that creating events where people could get together and and do that sort of thing and they have a an annual uh, songwriting competition which usually has some kind of mental health theme uh and people write to that so um it's been it's it's been going on for a number of years now it's been really really great to see the response to that like the the people who enter the stories that they tell and then the friendships and the communities yes. that they build as a result of that is just amazing and i think like i said before i think that's the thing that's really lacking particularly for independent musicians um it's just that feeling of belonging to something and to have having that connection with other people because we would get so focused and so kind of working in our own little silos and you know, we're, co- we're constantly kind of on that on the wheel, you know, trying try to spin the wheel and we forget that we have to connect with people. So yes. that's, that's one thing I really admire about the work that Listen Up Music do. And they're just like a fantastic bunch of people as well. They'll, yes. they'll get behind anything, anyone's project, you know, they'll, they'll give you a boost. So 
yeah, so that, that's been really fun and I'm looking forward to kind of seeing where that goes now because obviously a lot of that work was kind of centred around events. So we're right. having to rethink how we do things in that sense. Um, and they're also about to start doing some kind of training events for, for people in the music industry as well, which now we have to kind of rethink as well because right. it was all kind of face-to-face. So yes. Yeah, but you know they're they're still doing they're still doing lots of things. They've actually they do have a festival that's running next year, which is a very small scale festival. It's all being run mm. in a very safe kind of way, that's and cool. again, it's kind of the focus is on music and mental health. So they're going to have um, a whole bunch a whole bunch of resources there for people. They've got people coming up and telling their stories, as well as kind of music and um, comedy stages and all kinds of things. Like it's a really it's going to be so much fun. So. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, there's that. And then um, I'm also doing a master's at the moment. I'm doing a master's in mental health, which is the other thing I kind of pivoted towards after I finished work. Um, I was like, I'm going to go do some study. So, yeah, and I've actually, I've just written a paper, um, which is like a critical literature review of all the interventions that are, or the responses to interventions that are currently available to people in the music industry, basically. Um, so I'm working to get that published with a couple of researchers from wow. across. Yeah, that's um, really great. And it's Amy. it's like a one like a first of its kind kind of thing because we so often we get forgotten in these conversations, you know. Yes. And I want to I want to shine a spotlight on that because I think we're we're really good at identifying that there's a problem. Yes. Now we're like, yeah, everybody, you know, it's we're not doing well, but nobody's talking about how what we do about that. How do yes. we respond to it? How do we make it better? Um, and that's what I'm, I'm really interested in. So anything I can do to kind of further that work, that's kind of where I'm going to focus my energy. That's that's great. That's really, really inspiring. That's great, Amy. Speaking of uh, coming back to Newcastle and doing your study and then starting music again, I'm always interested to get your um, Newcastle musicians' opinions on the state of the sort of music scene at the moment uh, in Newcastle. Now, I, I don't live in Newcastle at the moment, so I'm coming back and I've got a couple of friends that are like, you know, who are the bands that I should go and see? Who are the, who are the artists that I should go and see? Before, it was booming. It was like you go to so many different venues. You can see music. You could walk down to, you know, different bars and pubs and clubs and venues and, and see it. Now, it's... So I want to get your sort of opinion on, on that and why has it changed? Sure. I, I don't think that that is a, a situation unique to Newcastle. Um, yes. I, I yes, see that I happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, live music isn't what it was 10, why, 20 why years is it? ago. Why is it, Amy? Oh, look, <laughs> I think there are a whole range of, of reasons. I mean, it's, you know, apart from just a general kind of cultural shift, I think, you know, it's, so much of the entertainment that we get now is not, we don't even need to leave our homes for. Yeah, so, you know, that plays a huge part. And just, you know, changes in venues and the things that they want to focus on and that kind of stuff. But I, I think I think it's just a it's just a cultural change and it's something that we kind of have to adapt to. Yes. In saying that, though, I don't, even though the, the live music culture has changed, I, I think there are still amazing amounts of yes. live music available to go and watch and be part of um that that hasn't gone away and i think there are still people who do want to support that it's just about kind of finding your audience now you have to work a little bit harder to find yes yes 
which you know that that's just that's just how it is and we have to find new ways to to get to those people because they're not just going down to their local every friday night or whatever um they've got a lot of things competing for their interest so but but music will will always be a part of our lives it's that's not going to go away that's not going to change yeah Yeah, absolutely and and i noticed that you you've got rescheduled gigs for the cambridge that was my one of my stomping grounds (laughs) oh yeah and and I went in there uh, last year, and I couldn't believe how how much it's changed. You know, it's almost like a Newcastle music music museum now, uh, <laughs> with all, all the instruments and the site. I thought that was really really good. So you've played lots in Newcastle, but you've also done lots of overseas uh, touring as well. You've been to the UK, the US, I do believe. Yeah, not for a while. I haven't been to not the for US all. for a while. Um, right. But yeah, I have done I have done a little bit of overseas touring. It's funny, like um, I remember the first time I I put together a tour for the UK, and at the time just thinking this is actually so much easier than trying to tour in Australia because there are you know obviously tons more venues, everything's closer together. There's a much larger population, so there's a more likely chance that you'll get an audience. So yeah, I, I loved I loved that. I haven't actually toured over there for a while. I mean, I've, I've kind of done a few individual shows. I did a, a show in London last year, I think it was, yeah. um, in like September or October, just because I happened to be going there and I just thought, well, I'll try and jump on to a gig. And it was great. It was actually with another expat, another Australian who was living right. there. And, you know, it was right in, in the heart of London. It was it was great just to kind of be there and be part of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, but again, I, I don't think, I think it's everywhere this situation where it's getting increasingly harder to kind of get people into your show, like to get them sitting down in front of you and, and watching um, because it's, it's just saturated with so many things to kind of keep them occupied. It's like, and, and people's, I feel like people's attention spans are kind of shrinking as well, you know, like, <laughs> That thing where you would just sit down for a few hours and watch something. I feel like people don't do that as much anymore. They don't allow themselves to kind of be immersed in something. It's all just kind of these things flying past them, you know, every few minutes that they've they've got used to that. That's how they kind of consume now. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. So going back to Newcastle, so did uh, you said that you you formed uh, a band here in Newcastle? And was that uh, your first EP with that band? Yeah, so um, my first kind of original band, the, the band that I formed around my music, um, they were called The Virtues. And, yeah, we did an EP to begin with. And then uh, we won, like, we won this big music prize way back then, and which kind of helped us with a few things. There was a couple of little industry kind of, um, boost that it gave us that um, allowed us to go and record an album and um, I toured with them for a while and then I just kind of as much as I loved the whole band situation we were kind of like we'd sort of become this indie band and um, I kept finding myself in my writing just leaning back more into that kind of singer-songwriter style yes, yes. so i yeah, I decided to just kind of refocus and, and I stripped everything back again and went out and did like a solo EP. Uh, Sleeping Dogs Lie, it's called. Sleeping Dogs, yes, yeah. right. Um, Sleeping Dogs. Yeah, so that I, that was actually the first, when I went to the US and Canada was 
around the time that that sort of came out. Right. And I was doing shows by myself again and I had a loop pedal, which back then not many people had. seems like every man in his dog's got one now. <laughs> yes. But, um, yes. Back then they were quite novel. So I was just using that and tour- touring around with my, my loop pedal. And um, and then, I, you know, I, I got I gathered a bit of momentum through that, you know, with some people who were kind of digging what I was doing. And so I managed to crowdfund to, to do a full album. Yes. Um, which I think was 2013. And again, you know, same. It, the cycle kind of continues. You know, once you kind of do an album, then you go out and tour. And I had a, a completely different band for that situation, so we toured the the album um, in sort of most capital cities. Um, and I had like a six piece band. I had a couple of string players. And so that's it. That's a uh, question that I wanted to ask, Amy. How do you sort of uh, pick the plays uh, that you want for your band? I mean. Are they session players? Are they friends? How does it how does it all work? A uh, bit, bit of both, yeah. yeah? Uh, so a couple of the, those guys, like the bass player in that band, he actually played on the record, and the string players played on the record as well. But they were friends of mine. Yes. And then it was funny, like the drummer and the guitarist actually approached me. Um, they had been to a few of my shows, and they were like, they had a different band. But they were like, we really love your stuff and if we can ever do anything together, if, we can, if you ever want us to come and play with you. And I actually loved the stuff that they were doing. So I was like, let's let's try it out, you know. Yes. And, um, and they were amazing. So, yeah, they ended up being part of that, that touring band at the time. So after all of that happened, that was um, about probably a year later was when I had my first child. Yeah. So I had to kind of take a step back <laughs> at that point from, from touring for a little while. Um, but it was good because, you know, obviously when your life changes, your story changes and yes. you start to write differently. And So it was good for me. and it, There was a lot of growth during that period. It, it, and then I kind of – it ended up being quite a long hiatus. I think it was 2013 was the Fits and Starts album and then yes. my next one, Same Skin, came out last year. So there was like six years in between yes. them, um, which in musician years is a long time. It's a long time. <laughs> That's almost people like, like uh, people forget like, who like, you are. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like a like a Metallica or something like that, where they take like they tour for three years and then it takes <laughs> them a year to to write the album and then you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So it was it was a long break. I mean, I was doing a lot of stuff in that time. I was playing in other people's bands, and like I said, I toured with right. John English for a number of years during that time. And, um, so I was still busy, but just wasn't doing my stuff. So what does it mean? What did it mean to you to be uh, a part of you know Joe in English? I mean, he's such an uh, Australian icon in the music world. So what was that experience like when you first met him? You know. Yeah, I actually met uh, John before, long before we were touring together, because um, he uh, he gets he's quite involved in music theatre as well. Um, yes. He'd done a lot of stuff. Obviously, in his early days, his big break was doing Jesus Christ Superstar and. Yes. So, and he, he writes, you know, he was writing musicals as well. And he had a show called Buskers, Buskers and Angels, which he asked me to be a part of in, I think, maybe 2000, I want to say eight or nine, somewhere around there. So I, I ended up starring in this show that he'd written here in Newcastle. We did a, a season here. And that's when I really kind of got to work with him for the first time. He was in the show as well. He was kind of playing one of the other characters and, and then, yeah, it wasn't long after that that um, he had another show that he'd put together previously called The Rock Show, which was like a touring theatrical production. Right. Basically a kind of 
bit of a story of music of the 60s and 70s stuff that had influenced him and and you know obviously some of his material as well and they had this massive band I think it was like an eight or nine piece band of young kind of multi-instrumentalists and um the girl who was singing in the show was leaving and, and they were like do you want to come and sing in the show and I was like it sounds amazing um, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll jump on so we I toured with him all around the country, all over the place with that show. And then there was a couple of other iterations of that. So there was like the second version of that. And then there was another band that did like club shows. And, and then there was like a smaller band that did um, acoustic shows and six is enough, we were called. And then I did some trio gigs with him as well. Um, so I ended up sort of becoming one of the, the staples in his touring band. Wow. Yeah. He had a big uh, show planned, um, which was going to be the same sort of idea but based around Australian music. So it was like the Australian edition of yes. the rock show. And we had rehearsed all of that and we'd actually played our first kind of test show and it went really well. And then I think maybe a week or two after that was when he passed away. So he'd, he'd actually, um, he was due to go travel to Sweden. He was about to do a new album, which was a big deal because he hadn't actually had any new material for many, many years. Oh. Um so he had all this new stuff that he was about to record, and so it was all yeah, it was all very very sudden. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I am so grateful for that time that yes. I had with him. I learned so much, and he you know had a billion stories. You know, he had so <laughs> many stories. I'm that, sure he did. Yeah. Oh, so and and he was such a great storyteller as well. You know, he, yeah. he was just mesmerizing to to watch and to listen to, and, and hysterical and funny, and you know. Yeah, just a really great person to be around. And it seems to be the common theme about the, all these people that we meet in music. They're just down-to-earth, nice, gentle. Well, not, not something gentle, but just just nice people, you know, and yeah. all doing the same thing. And, you know, it just goes to show even even the, you know, the high-profile celebrities are even yeah. just and just nice people, you know what I mean? So That's what, one thing I loved about him was how – how much he loved being around his fans as well. Like yes. every show, we always came out after every show and he signed stuff and he would wait. There'd be lines, you know, all the way around the building and he would wait until the last person had left. Um, yeah, he was he was so personable in that way. And I really admired that about him. Yeah, right. So uh, we've, got, we've got to the 2013, so fits and starts. Yep. Yep. So you did a tour of that. You, you've done with John, John English. <laughs> so yeah, six six years between releases. So what was your approach for the last year's album? Did you come in with all different ideas? Was it some old material, or was it all just new material for this for the latest album? Um, it was uh, it was a bit of a mix. So I'd actually put a single out in 2016 called 10 years right and that so that was on the album and there are a couple of songs that I wrote around the same time as that um that ended up being on the album but other than that there was you know obviously some stuff that I wrote specifically for the album as well I didn't really yeah when like when I put 10 years out I didn't know that it was that there was going to be an album do you know what I mean like I yes. didn't really know what I was doing at that stage I was just like kind of well, I guess I should put something new out. And I, I was obviously feeling a lot of stuff because we just lost John and, and there was a whole lot of other stuff going on in my life. And I was feeling the urge to write, but I, I didn't know, I didn't have a plan for it. You know, it was just like, I'm just going to put stuff out there. Um, 
and it was at that time I was starting to think like, is it even worth doing albums anymore? Like, yes, you know, I was having yes. that kind of crisis that I think we're all, we all go through where it's like, what is the point of putting out albums? Because it feels like people are only listening to singles now. So yeah, it, it all sort of happened a bit. And again, and again, what, what, why has that? Why has that changed? Is it? Why is it just singles now? Why go on to the days where you're buying the album and it's like, yes, you know, go to your record store, JB Hi-Fi or something like that. Again, yeah, is well, it just I mean, because it's, it's just modern times. Yeah, I mean, you know, most people consume music now through streaming services, yes, so exactly. um, we don't we don't have that luxury of people being forced to kind of sit down and listen to your entire. <laughs> <laughs> your entire album because um, they can just flick to whatever they whatever they want to listen to next but I did um, see I did see uh, that you were listening to the vinyl of it yeah so I'd, I have a vinyl version of Same Skin my last album yes. um, and yeah and, you know a lot of people have bought that which is amazing because I think for that reason the fact that they've actually invested in it that much that they want to sit there and listen to it yeah. in that way um, that's really amazing and I actually I love vinyl now too. I love buying buying vinyl of new albums that are coming out. You know, yes. Um, for that reason, because it you, you have to you have to listen to it, and it's be- it's beautiful, and it has such an amazing sound, as you know. Um, it kind of it kind of takes you into a different headspace. I think when you're listening to vinyl. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know, and and you know the whole um, the whole streaming model obviously has its problems for. Yes. For us as artists, and we're seeing that more and more, um, this kind of frustration with yes. why am I having to give my art away for free? And yet, yes. there's, there's a guy sitting at the top who's like making billions of dollars, literally. Um, it all seems a little bit unbalanced, but I'm not. I'm not sure what the answer is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and then you bring bring that album out in 2019. And did you get to go and uh, tour for this album before sort of like the bushfires and the pandemic? I, I did see a, a couple of shows like uh, locally, but did you get a chance to go around Australia? A, a little bit. So yeah. I did a, I did a small tour um, where I think there were like seven or eight dates, um, a few down in Victoria, a couple up in Queensland, and most, mostly kind of east coast. Yes. Um, and that was around, you know, sort of late last year. And then my intention had been to expand on that in 2020. Um, and I hadn't really locked anything in before the kind of pandemic stuff happened. So it just, it just never eventuated. Again, like, again, that was just one of the other things that was on my list of things. That yeah. just, it just couldn't happen. Um, but it's in in some ways it's it's good in that it's forced me to kind of go, well, there's nothing left I can do now other than write. So, yes. um, so I've definitely been a lot more productive in that sense than I would have been if I had been out touring the album. Yeah, right. And one thing that now you you said that you you have a family now. Uh, you've got an album out. You're doing stage, you know, uh, plays. How do you balance this now? You know, going up and down the east coast with a family. You know, in uh, you know kids in school and how, how yeah. are it this? it's yeah it's tricky yeah, yeah it has its challenges I mean I'm I'm super lucky that um my partner is very supportive and um he can kind of like carry the weight when I'm away but um we try to sort of structure it around 
the rest of our life <laughs> so that yes, yes. Um, I'm not away for like long periods of time. Um, it tends to be just like a weekend or yeah, a few days at most. Um, right. So you kind of go out in little bursts, but I mean, who knows what that's going to look like in the next year or two. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. And uh, I'm just looking through, um, you know, some, some of the dates here that you had. You were a part of the uh, Lazotte's uh, benefit uh, race for the bushfires. Uh, it says here that they raised $25,000. Is that true? Yeah. But, yeah, that was amazing. That was such a special day. Um, I was one of many, many artists who were performing that day. Yeah. Um, and, like, there's some quite big name artists and and a lot of local artists as well and um yeah it was really really special there's lots of people there um yeah everybody it was was just such a lovely positive vibe in the room as well you know because everybody was there for a good reason and um yeah that was really special that one yeah, absolutely. And and one more that I, I saw, um, and it's recently, uh, in 2020, uh, must have been just before the pandemic, uh, it says the very popular theatre company, and you played um, in, you were part of chess. Yeah, no, it, I wasn't, <laughs> it didn't happen. Oh, it didn't um, happen. It was, oh, it right. was literally like a week out. Um, right. So we were fully rehearsing, rehearsed and ready to go. Right. And um, the whole thing got pulled. So that's now been rescheduled to February. Right. Coming February. Um, yeah, that was a real shame because we worked really hard on that. We had a couple of um, uh, big theatre stars that we'd kind of brought in to do the show. Um, David Harris, who who is Australian but has been living in New York um, doing Broadway stuff, and he was coming back to do it. And Sylvie Palladino, who's from Melbourne, was coming up to do it. Um, play the lead and yeah it was going to be really really special but was it to be yes yeah, yeah. next year next year something to look forward to fingers crossed yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely all right let's get close uh, to wrapping it up here so amy i asked the question with everybody uh what does the future hold for amy after <laughs> the pan- after the pandemic um, which is the future hold for any of us right now? Yes. Um, I well, given that I've I've really thrown myself into, you know, creating stuff lately. I hope that there's going to be a lot of new music to share. Um, I'm not sure what that's going to look like yet because I've actually been experimenting with some kind of uh, doing some producing of my own at home. Okay. So normally I work with a producer called Gareth Hudson, who's amazing, and I love working with him. Um, but this situation has kind of forced me to have to um, look at different ways of doing things. So, um, yeah, there might be a little bit of kind of self-produced stuff. I'm not sure. Um, cool. we'll, we'll say, yeah, hopefully some shows eventually, you know, yes. that, that would be wonderful. Yeah, and continue with the uh, working with the mental health side of it as well. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I definitely, like I said, my, my goal is just to kind of try and support my community as much as I possibly can yes. using using whatever resources I have. You know, I don't have all the answers, but um, I, I do want to be able to help in whatever way I can. Yeah. And play in Newcastle. Yes, please. <laughs> in in Newey. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let, let's keep the music of the live uh, music in, in Newcastle happening and 
because it's super important. It's it's for a lot of people here in Newcastle. We're, we've always had a good a good scene. I'm trying my best to uh, promote uh, new music here as well. Great. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's yeah. hope we can uh, keep it going. So, Amy, where where can uh, we find you on social medias? You should be able to find me on most of them. Uh, uh, yeah. So I have a Facebook page and Instagram, and um, I have a website. Um, and, you know, you can find me on all the streaming services as well. Um, just ABV, A-M-Y-V-E-E. Awesome. All right. That's for our international listeners as well. I'm sure, like I said before, the the Newcastle, uh, <laughs> uh, you've been playing for a while now in Newcastle, so very predominant, you know, MEV. So, all right. So to finish off, uh, I just have a couple of you know, random questions. And okay. Just like top your top two or three or top five, and we'll finish it off that way. Okay. Are you ready, Amy? No, as ready as I'll ever be. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> your top three musical influences as as growing up. Oh, um, probably Radiohead is one of my big influences. Ooh, nice. um, Elbow. I love the band Elbow. Yes. Um, and um, I'll say Jeff Buckley because I right. mentioned him before. Yeah. Nice. Uh, what was the last uh, book that you read? Oh, I don't get a chance to read many books All these right. days. I have very young children, and also because I'm studying, so I, I kind of tend to be a bit read out. I had, I do have it up on my shelf there. I started reading Stuart Coop's book Roadies. I don't know if you've seen that one. Oh, um, Stuart Coop is a Australian music journalist. Um, he's actually, he just released a book on Paul Kelly, um, oh, recently as well, which is doing quite well, but yeah. All right. And besides, uh, Australia, where is your favorite sort of, uh, international countries? My favorite place to travel or yeah, to... travel. Yeah. Um, ooh, ooh, that's so hard. Um, I love going to the UK just cause I have a lot of family there. Friends yeah. and I feel a connection to there because my grandparents were from there. So right, and I'll and, say that for them. and where where are you going to next? Do you have plans to travel overseas in the future? Um, it's a bit hard to plan anything at the yeah, moment. Yeah, that's true. Um, but would you like to go somewhere next, like like a country or? Yeah, I mean, I'd love. There's lots of places I'd love to go. You know, yes. I, I'd really love to. I haven't. I've never been to uh, France. So, you know, I'd love to go to Paris. Um, I have a friend who lives in Barcelona. I'd love to go there. Yes. Um, yeah, look, lots of places. <laughs> right. What was your first uh, album? The first one I ever that, bought? That you bought, yes. Um, the first album I ever bought was, oh, it was The Bad Loves. Really? Yes. That's interesting. It was their first, their first album, Get, was it Get On Board or something it was called, yeah. And yeah. and finally, what was your last album that you bought? Ah, uh, the last album I bought. Oh, Husky, I, uh, one of my favourite Australian bands uh, right. called Husky from Melbourne. I just bought there. They've got a brand new record called Stardust Blues, which is amazing. Awesome. Yeah. And that was going to be one of my questions that I forgot. But uh, besides Husky. Um, are there any other up-and-coming uh, local bands or uh, Australian bands that, that you're really into at the moment? Oh, look, there's probably lots. <laughs> yes. Um, any recently? Or is it Husky? Husky's the... 
the one that you're well i've i've actually been following them for a number of years and um i'm a bit obsessed with them i think they think that i'm one of those weird fans because <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't i'm not normally like that with with artists like I don't obsess about stuff but there's something about their music that just really gets under my skin so yeah I've been listening to them quite a lot awesome all right Amy I appreciate again I appreciate your time uh truly inspirational uh keep playing your music keep creating music and making people happy and uh all the best for the future thank you so much lovely to talk to you all right you too okay bye for now take care